0: Learn more at Marines.com. You do. you do. I get the concern, though, you know, where you're saying, I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but just do it. You know, it's it's the one year you can and see what happens. It's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay regardless. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, it's,
1: there's a lot. I mean, it's funny. I, I, I've had the hardest time. Getting into basketball season I just And part of it is because There's still so much Football stuff happening Like Hinden Hooker Transfers to Tennessee <laughs> Like what? Yeah What the heck? I mean Who well, Things
0: Tennessee is currently In the In the process of Investigating themselves So they can find some cause To fire <laughs> So they can fire them, Jeremy Let's be real <laughs> This is the funniest thing Like They think I mean I'm sure
1: there are Some people That, that are That That buy this But most of us don't no we
0: most of us do not
1: welcome to an ACC podcast um I guess it's basketball season now officially um, I was not expecting to be saying that at this point in time because I was expecting that we would be previewing Clemson in a national title game but that is not the case but either way oh I'm Lauren Brownlo I didn't say that did I I didn't yeah sorry little rusty people I've had holiday break here the last couple weeks. And by holiday break, I mean, I was busy with holiday stuff and <laughs> couldn't really uh, find a feasible way to record a podcast that would not have my child screaming weird things in the background. So yeah, but I'm back and I couldn't think of anybody to- better to help wrap up the football season and get into basketball with than Kelly Gramlich from ACC Network and The Roar down in Clemson. Kelly, hi. Hi.
0: Hello, Lauren. It is an honor to be back with you on the podcast. And I uh, completely understand what you're saying about the the holidays. I do not have a child, but um, <laughs> it was still, yes, very, very busy, but good to have that time for sure.
1: Yeah, I was on um, with uh, you and Quark yesterday on your show it, on The Roar, and I, it's funny. I, my kid ended up having to stay home. Um that day and he was like I had to very much strategize how I know, oh, <laughs> like put him in the room and make sure okay you can't come downstairs mommy's on the radio <laughs> um, and so yeah he's kind of starting to understand what that means but it hasn't stopped him from at one point uh, coming downstairs while I was on the radio to say I have to go poopy so no yeah, yeah. and that
0: was, yep. was it picked up
1: uh, I don't think they heard that part well maybe they did because they I think what did he say he said uh I believe Brownlow's son has to go to the bathroom and I'm like oh boy (laughs) okay so yeah um I only have him on a guest on this as a guest on this podcast when I can record him saying something that is like predicting games and whatnot he won't do that for me anymore and if I try to record him for this podcast he usually says something inappropriate that I can't (laughs) put on so that's
0: thing I think it's Rutledge does it with her daughter where you just make them pick a helmet and that wins the game you haven't done that with him I used to make him
1: pick mascots uh back in the day when he was like I could manipulate him easier into just like hey do this for mommy once he got to be like two and a half the game was over he was like no you're gonna have to give me something (laughs) to do this for you I'm not just doing it Yeah, it was, I was like, oh dang it. But yeah, he I remember he used to love Clemson. I would be like Clemson Tigers versus whatever. He'd be like Clemson. I love he, he liked saying it, I think. I don't know.
0: The tiger right. is very recognizable for the the youth, you know. Yes. You know the tiger. The Blue Devils is a little terrifying. I yeah, agree. he doesn't care for that. Yeah. Some of the other ones don't make a lot of sense, but the tiger's very easy.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, Wow. So kind of an unexpected uh, semifinal, the way it played out uh, against Ohio State for Clemson. Um, I guess what's kind of the mood down there after, you know, the semifinal and everything that happened and and just, I mean, I I know I expected a lot of things could happen, but the way that game went down was not the way I, not one of them at all.
0: Definitely. Same. I mean, I, I did not expect Ohio state to look like that. And I think the mood overall is just a surprise. You know, last year when Clemson lost to LSU, I don't think anyone was, no. <laughs> no. you know, even Clemson fans, even the most uber confident Clemson fans, they're, they're saying, okay, LSU, that was the best team in college football this year. They had a uh, you know, a generational team and and you just, you roll with it. Um, But I think this year, because, and this is really what I was puzzled by. I mean, I predicted Clemson to win the game as a lot of people did, as Vegas did. And with Ohio State, what was so puzzling to me is, and I know they only played six games, so it's a small sample size, and I'm not going to rag on them for that. That's, it is what it is. It's the Big Ten's fault. It's not their fault. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, I'm not going to punish those student athletes who have wanted to play this entire time and had something like 54 practices before their first game. That is absolutely brutal, but in the six games they had played, they hadn't shown no this capability <laughs> what they did on Friday. Now, did they did they put it all together in one game and did they finally have most of their pieces back and of course Chris Olave was back? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but Justin Fields had not looked Oh my god. Yeah, he was good. so good. He was so good and so I think you just have to give all the credit in the world to Ohio State. I think Ohio State had a great game plan. The, um, they went so quickly. Their pace was great. They had the play calls in to where Justin Fields did not have to make any checks at the line of scrimmage. And that is the way to do it, Against Brent Venables. We saw Syracuse do that a couple years mm-hmm. ago. And if you don't give Venables time to adjust, there's something about Venables in that he has to have the last word it's like, okay, he's got to check out of something, and then he feels good, and he's so adamant in getting the last word with his defense, and that can sometimes come back to bite you, and it definitely did against Ohio State. And then just Justin fields, and Chris Olave was great. Sermon was a huge pickup for them. I'm not sure what happens in that game if Trey Sermon does not transfer from Oklahoma, but he was exceptional. So I think... A lot of uh, rational Clemson fans, which is not everyone, let's be clear, but uh, the rational <laughs> ones are giving credit to Ohio State and just saying, "Look, they they had Clemson's number on Friday, and we're going to move on to next season." But there is a little bit of a concern overall, just with the fact that the last two playoffs, yes, you beat Ohio State last year. I mean, <laughs> you can't just ignore that you beat them last year. So it's not like we need to be sounding the panic button. But against LSU basically blown out it was closer I would say overall than the Ohio State game but LSU controlled that game and the defense really struggled and then against Ohio State blown out and the defense really struggled so where does Clemson go from here I think for the first time in a while we might be asking okay you know does Clemson need to make some adjustments defensively and how Brent Venables calls a game have other offenses picked up on the um, intricacies of what he does and can they exploit them? I'm sure Davos Sweeney, Venables, all those guys are already addressing that um, in this off season, looking ahead and Clemson's going to return virtually everyone on the defense. So that's a good sign. Jamie Skowski announced yesterday he's coming back for, is like seventeenth year of college football.
1: I was gonna say I was like, wow, yeah, I saw that and was like, I mean, it makes sense. You can come back, obviously, if you were a senior. We've seen a few yeah. players around the league already do that, and and I get it. If you don't know that you're going to be in, you know, a high pick, or if you think you could help yourself, it makes perfect sense. Or if you don't think you're playing pro football at all and just want one more year, oh, I year. totally get it.
0: And I, uh, I assume, so I think he's getting his graduate degree, so he may have one more year on that. So you might as well, I. I I think if Clemson had won the national title, he would not have come back. I I was getting that vibe just from what makes sense. Yeah. So, but you know, the unfinished business is the big motivator. We've saw, we've seen that with when Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence and all those guys came back. So I, Clemson will return everybody on defense, but I do think there's going to have to be a little bit, just a little bit of soul searching in the, in the defensive meeting rooms. But I, I do not think it's time to sound the alarm or panic. This is a team that has overall performed really well in playoffs against the Ohio States and Alabamas of the world. But it definitely was a surprise. I would say surprise is the main theme right now for Clemson fans. Well, I know with with
1: Trevor Lawrence being gone now, and and I know that there's this feeling just from what I've been hearing that like, okay, especially in the Atlantic division and even overall of like, if you're going to get them, this is the year to get them, next season. Um, Which I think is kind of interesting because I think, you know, there's plenty, I think, to like about DJ Uyangalale, which thank you, you I've learned how to pronounce because of you, so yay. There's plenty to like about him. I think, if anything, what I would be concerned about from Clemson's end, you bring back everybody on the defense, but one thing that stuck out to me this season watching them and certainly in that game was like, I'm just not 100% sure that the talent level on defense is what we've seen in past years. To be fair, those those defenses were ridiculous and had, like, some of the best players we've seen <laughs> come through the conference even. So, like, I'm not saying, like, they're dropping back their talent to, like, bad levels or anything, but that's what I wonder is, do they have, especially on the defensive line, that's what we're used to seeing with Mm -hmm. Clemson, especially, do they have those guys that change the game on the defensive line and up front um, and, and just make it impossible for teams to move the ball against them? I'm, I don't know. I'm not so sure if that's the case or maybe they're bringing some in. I know this was Davos best recruiting class in a while, which is crazy in and of itself.
0: Lauren, it's a great point. I think you're spot on on that. And if there is one main concern beyond just the overall fact that the defense has been giving up points, it's the lines of scrimmage. And and that was always the question with Clemson, right? Even with Deshaun and those early teams, can it, the biggest question against Alabama, well, Alabama's got those big guys up front. They've got NFL talent on both lines of scrimmage. And really the mm-hmm. question was offensive line because Clemson has had defensive line talent. Yes. Oh yeah. The, the last 10 years. When you look at Daquan Bowers, even, I mean, you can go back that far and Vic Beasley and Shaq Lawson and Grady Jarrett, who's still playing in the league and doing really well for the Falcons. And then you move on to Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence and Cleveland Farrell and Austin Bryan, and all those guys. I think that is the biggest question. Defensive line, where does it go from here? Brian Breze and Miles Murphy are two super talented. Oh, Miles Murphy's great. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to take that next step. And even you look back at some of those names I said. Their freshman years arguably weren't even as good as Murphy or Brazil. So I think those guys are going to be good, but that's just two of your four. And I think the biggest question, Lauren, is Xavier Thomas. Yep. <laughs> this guy, like, it's been so puzzling what has happened with Xavier Thomas. As a, he's a five-star. He was a very highly rated recruit in the same class as Trevor Lawrence. Um, so, you know, everyone was super excited about Trevor Lawrence, but there were some people that were even more excited about Xavier Thomas. Couldn't wait to see this guy. And he was great in his freshman year. He had that big sack on Eric Dungy to seal the deal in the Syracuse game in which Trevor got hurt, and Chase Bryce had to come in and save the day. And then, isn't that a weird sentence, thinking about... It's, it's so Ray weird. Now <laughs> He's going to App State. But where do you go from here? Can Xavier Thomas come back and be productive and play a full season? He did get COVID in March, so that really put a you know a struggle on his, his and then strep right after that Strep, and then he had like a death in the family he had to go home it was just it was a mess um so we'll see what how what he looks like coming in and then can these younger guys step up can you see guys like Justin Maskell or can uh Justin Foster come back he's been out because he has asthma he hasn't played this whole season um because of COVID so What happens with the defensive line? I think that's the biggest question. And then if we're sticking lines, it's kind of offensive line too. This O-line, I just saw a breakdown from Dan Orlovsky on Twitter. He went back and watched the whole Sugar Bowl, and he said, that game was not on Trevor Lawrence. The offensive line got embarrassed. That's the word. Mm -hmm. Jackson Carmen's going to the NFL, which I understand. I think he's going to be a third or fourth round pick. He might as well go. But this O-line was so inexperienced, and they're in a weird position where their better players are all freshmen and sophomores. So your five stars are freshmen and sophomores. Like um, Linthicum, I think is his name, who's coming in from Damascus High School where Brzee played. You've got some really good guys coming in, but they're all young. Yeah, that's a hard position to – Yeah, Yeah. you have kind of those fifth-year guys who've been around forever that are nowhere near as talented as your first- and second-year guys. So how do you mix all that together? So I think the O-line – is probably the biggest question overall for Clemson. you got to find a way to protect. They, they were not able to protect Trevor. Justin Fields, despite the, the targeting hit from Skalski, beyond that, he was just sitting in that pocket, had all day to throw, and Trevor Lawrence was under distress. So I think that's um, one of the the bigger questions as well for the Tigers heading into next year.
1: Yeah. And I mean, with the way some of the other teams performed, you know, uh, North Carolina certainly showed a lot of promise, especially I I did not expect that game to play out the way it did, considering everybody they were without. (laughs) It was uh, and, you know, their defense. It's interesting. They had to throw some youngsters into the mix, you know, about midway through, sometimes early in the season. And um, those guys kind of they took their lumps and then they got better mm-hmm. and that you see that sometimes and it ends up paying off for you later. I mean, you saw that I think for NC state this year where they had to throw so many young guys on the field the year before because of injury and then all, and then that pays off for them this year. So I, I, I like where, I mean, I like where both of those teams are headed, frankly, but certainly North Carolina, I think has answered a lot of questions about will they be able to, Contend when they have this once in a certainly once in a North Carolina football generation quarterback and <laughs> Sam Howell will they be able to capitalize and make something out of that and I wasn't sure after losing those backs but you know I'm a little more convinced now let's say
0: yeah <laughs> I am high on UNC and I was very impressed with the A and M game uh, defensively Asante stepping in for Chaz Surratt he was great. And then you had some of the younger wide receivers step up. Uh, Josh Downs, I believe is his name. He was really yep. good. The running back position is the big question. Because yep. that what, what made Sam Howell so good, and this is for a lot of quarterbacks, but they use the run to set up the pass so perfectly. They lull you to sleep with Michael Carter, Javante Williams, and then boom, deep ball, touchdown, 60 yards, it's over. That kind of thing. So – and I think Sam Howell maybe throws the best deep ball in the country. I've said that multiple times. Clemson fans hate me on Twitter for it, but it's so true. It's Yeah. True. So, when you bring back Sam Howell and and you bring back a lot of weapons defensively, young guys, and then some wide receivers, the the running back spot is the biggest question. Can you get it done by committee because you're just you're not going to have the production of those two guys next year. But what's really in, intrigued me, Lauren, is the uh, confidence that Mac Brown is speaking with in the media. I love it. I don't think Mac Brown would say these types of things if he didn't think there was something there. I mean, he was the one saying when UNC was top five to start the year, whoa, 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 we're not. (laughs) (laughs) And now he's saying our goal is the playoff. Like we, we want to win a national championship. He's saying these types of things and he's done it. He has that experience. So the Mac Brown effect. I just think it's a, it's a whole other factor for North Carolina. There's only two coaches in the ACC that have won national titles. It's Dabo Sweeney. It's Mac Brown. I know it was a couple years ago, and I know you, Lord, as someone who's grown up following North Carolina, you <laughs> want to hear this. You're like, okay, all right. I we'll, we'll wait till next year.
1: I mean, listen. I had this. I had this. I had this out on Twitter with people because I understand, you you know, I understand where the skepticism comes from and what happens in the triangle because everybody's used to their football teams just either being mediocre in the case of State or Carolina. And even when they have the good year, stumbling and falling on their face in some game that they shouldn't lose. They're used to that. You know, and I get it. And so when I, you know, I think I quoted something Mac said in the presser and I had a state fan who I'm friends with in real life, like say something (laughs) like, okay, Mac, yeah, you're going to win what 10 games or he's like, what? Yeah, you're going to win 10 games, whatever. (laughs) And I was like, look, what do you want him to say? Like, what What do you want him to say? Like, we have this, like, once-in-a-generation quarterback and, like, all this talent coming back, but you know North Carolina football. Right. We'll just find a way to mess it him? up. Come <laughs> on. Like, we all understand the reality here, but at the same time, we do we could still like, it's just, but this is what happens. There's so much of a tear down culture here locally where it's like, if one team starts doing well, it's like, whatever, they didn't really beat anybody or, you know, it's like, everybody just wants to like tear down what somebody else is doing in football because that's just what we're all used to. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, no, you don't get to, you don't get to be allowed to be better than us. We're all mediocre. (laughs) Like, no, no, we're just going to, it's like, what is it like uh, crabs in a, bucket or something where they like pull each other back down it's like that I I don't know
0: great visual I I get that that's interesting it's kind of like down here with Clemson you know Clemson basketball is very good and some of our listeners just sometimes I feel like sometimes they think we're joking like they just (laughs) and I'm telling you guys Clemson is the highest ranked ACC team tied with Virginia Tech in the AP poll and they're like, okay, all right. What are you talking about?
1: Come on. And, and see, I get it though from their perspective too, because like there have been times where we've seen Clemson like basketball get off to really good starts, and you're like, okay, this team is for real, for real. And then all of a sudden, they sort of, you know, hit a tough stretch really? or hit a wall, to and you care, know. that is
0: not very common under Coach Brownell. I feel like under that's Coach true. Coach that was more Purnell. They lose five games by a combined seven points in the first in the first two months. <laughs> that's generally what they do.
1: That's true, yes, yeah. but it's like it's like very much an almost thing i think with some people and I get that too, yeah. so it that's that's what happens until you have something to kind of put next to it with some sort of a c c title or something like that, or something mm-hmm. you know i mean and, and in football, no a c c team has won a title since like eighty i think it was eighty was the last one for any of them, so you know i get it i get
0: it. <laughs> i get, <laughs> I get uh
1: which one did that uh state?
0: Oh, okay. no, it's Carolina. It Carolina won the last one. Won the ACC in that long? Oh, yeah. In football? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I,
0: Florida State won every title in the 90s, to be fair. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. Florida State came, and then and there was always a team that was just like this dominant team. And every time, I mean, State had Russell Wilson one year and lost to an ECU team that missed a bowl.
0: <laughs> you know? That is, that is it in a nutshell, but that, that is such a good representative of triangle football.
1: Yeah, it's just, and so they're used to finding the banana peel. So I get it. But like, again, and with North Carolina has a similar question to Clemson. Like you said, the running back position, they are bringing in a five-star running back, um, or not five-star, four-star, which is still really high for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's like I just looked it up because I was sitting there looking at it when it was clear that those running backs were going to go pro and it's like uh guys who's going to run the ball next year? Um he is uh I think 13th nationally at at running back that's his rank. And the number 16 player overall in the state, Kamaro Edwards mm-hmm. from Havilock. Ooh, Havilock produces good football. Um but yeah, they so I mean, they have a five-star coming in um they like some of the freshmen a lot, but there was literally no reason to use them this hey, year. Why would
0: you? I would you take any carries away from Michael Carter and Javante Williams. That would just be silly.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see, but it is a question mark. And then their offensive line. They're bringing everybody back, though, which always helps, but they that was an issue for them in those games against Notre Dame and A&M where they were facing D-lines. Like you said, those, those bigger, you know, earlier guys on the line of scrimmage. That's how Notre Dame helped flip its you know, fortunes around two was getting bigger on the lines of scrimmage. So
0: I think one uh, of the biggest questions next year for football season is do we go back to divisions? Because mm-hmm. if so, then if you look at the um, you know, the the schedule of who Clemson is supposed to play from the coastal, they play Georgia Tech every year. And then this next year it's supposed to be Pittsburgh, which I don't see them changing. I think it's already kind of it's on the schedule at Pittsburgh where Clemson's never played. So if that's the plan, then of course, Clemson and North Carolina are not going to play in the regular season. And I think that makes it a little more interesting because then it's it's one game, right? UNC, can you do it in one game? Can you force turnovers? Can somehow play exceptionally well? Can you do it just one time in the ACC championship? And I think that's a little more interesting. The biggest issue for Notre Dame this year is they had to play Clemson twice. I, I think that's, that's just, it's, it's not going to go well if you got to play Clemson twice, but if you have a one-off and you play the game of your life, there's a chance. Well, and one thing
1: Mac did point out though, was he said he, I mean, he has said this straight up. Uh, he didn't say it that season. Well, maybe he did say it that season, but either way, he has said when, when we played Clemson and, you know, went for two and all that stuff, he's like, yeah. they weren't in, they weren't interested. That's what he said.
0: <laughs> he's like I, talking I was, about Clemson. As someone who was in the stands, I could feel that vibe. <laughs> But still Me too. after after that first touchdown howl through, like get interested. I mean, this is a team with a coach that is capable. So I get that, but I also think from a Clemson perspective, get interested. This is a team that can beat you.
1: Yeah, this year though, you're right. Like I, I think it's a one off and and certainly there's a lot to figure out about how these teams are going to look next year of course but like uh if north carolina can get into that grad transfer portal maybe too or just the transfer portal in general and get a running back i know apparently there's one from tennessee that has interest and we'll see um um because they need to plug some holes for sure i think but yeah i mean I, I, it'll be interesting this this is a window it's a little bit of a window um it's a, it, to a lesser degree, somewhat with NC state. I like where they're headed. Um, I still think they're a top 25 team next year. Um, they got a Mecca Mezzi back next year, mm-hmm. which is That's awesome. It.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> And they're going to have a healthy Devin Leary, Bailey Hawkman. I love, I, I, I loved what Bailey Hawkman did for them this year, but I was really happy for him. Um, and, and glad that like, I'm sure Dave Doran and he had a frank conversation and they got it over with quickly. He's transferring. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, because i was worried that if he played too well i mean not worried like that's good if he plays too well but if he played too well i thought nc state might have a bit of a dilemma they're not going to have that dilemma anymore mm-hmm. so um yeah that uh, i think they're certainly a very interesting team they had to play a lot of young guys last year and this year and and they're going to it'll be it, it's going to be like i it's like come on
0: people in the triangle it will be fun like you do have a window you um do. you do I get the concern, though, you know, where you're saying I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but just do it. You know, it's it's the one year you can and see what happens. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, it's gonna be okay regardless.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 there's a lot. I mean, it's funny. I, I I've had the hardest time getting into basketball season. I just and part of it is because there's still so much football stuff happening, like Hendon Hooker transfers to Tennessee.
0: <laughs> like what? Yeah, what the heck. <laughs> I mean who well, thinks C is currently in the in the process of investigating themselves so they can find some cause to fire so they can Jeremy. fire Jeremy. let's be real this is the
1: funniest thing like they think i mean i'm sure there are some people that that are that that buy this but most of us don't
0: no we, most of us do not they don't want to pay the buyout man Exactly. And because I mean, Tennessee I I which is buyouts it, that equal the GDP of a small nation. I mean, It's
1: ridiculous.
0: It's a- I was going to Yeah, I was going to say like I in a way I
1: respect it because like they're like, "No, we're not paying this. We're going to figure out a way but to I not pay this." to Tennessee. <laughs> but maybe don't write it in in the first place. I don't know. Right. Um want <laughs> to him? I mean, <laughs> crazy. Right. Like Michigan's going to be screwed. Um but yeah. So yeah, there's still a lot to figure out. I do want to say this before we move on and do our best to move on to basketball. Anyway, it is Trevor, Trevor Lawrence moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the strangest thing. I mean, I think he's just had, it, it's hard to say this about a guy that's had as much success as he's had and they've gotten to the playoff, you know, so much with him and, and, and they've won a national title with him, but it, it just, I can't help but think that he is has just some of the worst luck of any great quarterback maybe since Deshaun Watson and it's insane that like we're even saying that but it's it's kind of
0: true. Yeah, I guess are you referring to the Heisman? Yeah, uh, the Heisman
1: and then even 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 the playoffs. I mean, you know, you run into an LSU team last year that's like you said a generational team. I think Alabama actually might be that kind of team too.
0: Um so yeah. True. It made have, it made have, it may have been the same result, but when, it's like. When I heard that Jalen Waddle might play, my <laughs> next thought was, we'll we'll see him next year. I mean, I it's fine. Ohio State, you can handle this one. Uh, if Jalen <laughs> Waddle's going to play in this game, that's fine. You take it.
1: <laughs> Oof, yeah. So, I mean, I just, I hate it for Trevor. I, I, I He's been a really special quarterback to watch um, and, and, you know, he's going to be missed and just not his mustache as God bless her heart on that Zoom. Oh, my God. I It's why I obsessively check if I'm on mute when oh, I obsessive. join any Zoom.
0: And I just don't even trust the mute button. You know, even if it says mute, I'm thinking mm, technology has failed us before. I'm just not going to say anything like that. Now, I did say on Twitter and Lauren, you would uh, understand this. I did put on Twitter that, look, OK. I'm not trying to criticize the mustache, but I do know one thing: Trevor's fiance will make him shave that mustache before they get married, before the wedding day. Because I hope he so. is not having that in her pictures, I know that for an absolute fact. There is no way. It's a similar situation that my husband was growing somewhat of a quarantine mustache, and we had we postponed our wedding and just got married at the courthouse. We're doing it next year, but even for the courthouse pictures i was like get get that off that <laughs> and he knew he knew what the deal was you're not keeping that that's ridiculous and it was actually visible so
1: yeah i was going to say it's actually a relief to me in a way that like trevor's hair is so perfect without him even having to try <laughs> that like at least he has a flaw um <laughs> You know, like exactly, exactly. At least he has to work hard at something from like an aesthetic perspective <laughs> that like he is not successful at. You know, I work, we, we women work so hard oh, on our yeah. hair. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, and you already, you already have your look, you know, you have the long locks. You don't need something additional. You already have your trademark look. The mustache is just it's people like Gardner Minshew who need the mustache because he doesn't have anything else with his look. You already have your look, Trevor. There's no need for a mustache. It looks,
1: I, yeah, I don't, I mean, she said what we were all thinking.
0: Exactly. Um, She did. To be fair, she did. And,
1: and he handled it great because he's, he's great. And I, the only thing I'm sad about is that as a Carolina Panthers fan, like we have no shot at drafting him. I was on, like, when we started losing a lot, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> maybe we'll be able to like get bad enough to where we can pick him, but it's not going to happen. Um, he's going to be great at the next level. Um, and I just, I hate it for him because like, it's insane to me that he went his whole collegiate career and didn't win a Heisman. But at the same time, I think he just ran into some bad luck. I mean, what De- Devonta Smith did this year was insane. Mm-hmm.
0: Insane. that And, you know, getting COVID. <laughs> so you missed two games. That yep. was brutal. I think the theme with Trevor and why I, I would have loved to see him win a Heisman, but the way that his three years went, he never lost a regular season game. And part of that was a lot of those were blowouts. If, if we're being honest, Deshaun Watson played against a tougher ACC than Trevor Lawrence did. And this is not trying yeah. to Trevor, but Trevor was rarely needed in the fourth quarter rarely. I, I yeah, Deshawn
1: Deshaun definitely played yeah. against a tougher Atlantic for oh, sure.
0: Definitely with Florida State, the twenty sixteen game against Florida State and twenty fifteen. Deshaun had to play every every single snap of those games and had to play really well. Uh the Louisville's yep. we played against were just on a different level. NC State was ranked back oh, then. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and it was you know you could argue that a few ways, but my main point is that Deshaun had to play full game and Trevor Lawrence just didn't. I I could probably count on one hand the fourth quarters he played in the regular season in which he was really needed, and so Mm -hmm. that's going to hurt your Heisman chances. It just is because you're not going to have the numbers that a Joe Burrow has or a Mac Jones or a Tua or a Kyler or whatever. You're just not going to, and that's why after a while, I thought, yeah, I'm still hopeful Trevor could win the Heisman, but I'm not I'm not going to put a lot of stock in it because I just don't see it happening. I think Clemson fans are honestly still caught up on Deshaun not winning it because Deshaun had the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. there wasn't a huge disparity in numbers, and it's frustrating to see a running back in Derrick Henry who's gone on to be a great pro, but he also had, oh, I don't know, two billion carries. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so
1: hard with Alabama. I have yeah. a Heisman vote, and I really struggled a lot mm-hmm. this year with it because – and De- Devontae is like great. He's a great wide receiver. I I ended up putting him second, and I did vote for Trevor. And mm-hmm. I and I felt look, I-, I I will admit it was a little bit of a lifetime achievement award. Sure,
0: and but we've seen that happen in the Heisman before,
1: right? And I just I felt like it was unfair to punish him for getting COVID, like right. because his numbers would have been. Just as good. And, I, and and no offense to Mac Jones, who's been awesome this year. He's been so good. Um, but it's like it's with Alabama, you just look at everything they have and you go, Well, who is it? And it's easy to for yeah. me, it's easy to pick out Devontae as the guy there, you know? It's mm-hmm. easy to do that. And 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 I think that's completely fair. But even when you look at Najee Harris and you look at Mac Jones and you go and you look at their O-line and you're like Okay, well, who is it really, though? Mm-hmm. And, and and I think Devonte clearly was the guy that stood out the most to me as like, yeah, he's that guy, he's that dude for sure. Um, and I've but
0: his, oh, go ahead.
1: No, you're fine. I, yeah, I just that it's just tough for Trevor and I. And I I knew he was probably not going to win it, but I just and I struggled with it a lot. I went back and forth so many times. I was just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what to do here because I do think Devonte is is like best player that I've seen, but like. Man, this just sucks for Trevor. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't have a Heisman vote, but I I don't envy you guys in that. It was it was definitely a tough year. Let me say yeah. about Trevor because this is kind of mind blowing when you think about it. To date, you know, as of now, Trevor has yet to play, or Trevor did not play with a first first round wide receiver at Clemson. Wow, think about that. Now, Justin Ross, if he comes back, which I'm hearing that he will. And if he can stay healthy, he is obviously a first-round talent. But there's a lot of questions about his health. But T. Higgins was not a first-round guy. He was drafted in the second round. Renfro's a fourth-rounder. I bet Amari's going to be a third or fourth-rounder. Cornell Powell, maybe fourth or fifth-rounder. He has not played with a first-round wide receiver. And Mac Jones just looks out on the field, and he's got first-round guys all over the, all over the, um, the yard. ETN might be a first-rounder. So. Keep that in mind, but Deshaun Watson played with Mike Williams, who was the seventh overall pick, and that's a, a little bit of a different comparison there. He also had a tight end that was actually productive in, in Jordan Leggett. Wow, that's wow, I, that's kind
1: of insane. Yeah. I
0: I never thought about it that way, but you're completely right. He and that could have gone in the first round. He's had an excellent rookie year, but for some reason, I, I think maybe his his 40 time wasn't exceptional and he's a little skinny, but T's having a great year. So I think people are looking back and having some regrets, not taking him in the first round.
1: Yeah, no, that's wow. When you put it that way, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I was actually started, that made me think about Sam Howell and I'm like, huh, as great as his receivers have been and running backs, like, I wonder if the same will be true for him when he finishes his Mm -hmm. Carolina career that he won't have played with any, um, first rounders i wonder um i don't know where um i don't know where uh diami is projected to go uh diami brown
0: i i guess it'll depend on how he tests i'm not sure if he's a first round guy but i don't it doesn't look like it from what
1: i'm seeing but
0: But diami brown is is a heck of a player
1: i will say of players since we've given kind of a you know a goodbye to trevor um Players that I will miss the most and miss watching, Javante Williams is at the top of that list. Yeah. What a monster. And the thing is, like, he had lower yards per carry than Michael Carter. He had fewer yards than Michael Carter, not by a whole lot, but he did. But, like, he just. He broke so many tackles. I think pro football focus said like he had broken the most tackles. I don't remember in what span of time. It'd been a while. Um, It's just it's insane. He forced like more missed tackles than almost anybody in college football in the last like I, I forget the stretch of time, but it was a lengthy enough stretch of time that I was like, holy crap. Um, he's he was so fun to watch um I'm gonna miss watching him next year and he was a really special player I have no idea where he'll get drafted but it made sense to me that he didn't play um for a minute it looked like he was going to but I totally get it the thing is with with what they did to Miami there was no reason for them like they what else
0: do you have to prove like no that's a good point if they had lost to Miami well they wouldn't be in the Orange Bowl but or a close game, you know. Yeah, yeah. That game was just... Or they don't run for
1: like 600 yards or whatever it was.
0: <laughs> I, I totally understand the way we are in this current world of college football. I can't say I wouldn't have done the same. But as a fan, it's just... It's such a bummer. It bum- sucks. It's such a bummer because it's the Orange Bowl. I mean, the last time North Carolina was there was what, 1950?
1: Yeah, you have to wonder what would have happened um, if they had played, especially... Been- I, yeah, I, I kind of think so, but been- I don't know.
0: Even just one of those guys.
1: Even like North – this is the – I have followed North Carolina football my whole life coming back in, but, yeah. you know, the, that's – there's the whole thing
0: of like, I don't know, man. They might have still found a way to lose it. But. Well, the most puzzling part to me of that whole game was that first Sam Howell pick. Yeah. And that cost him. So if, if he has De'Ami Brown, I don't know. He still had Daz Newsom, but that was really puzzling. And if you have just one of those guys, Javante Williams or Michael Carter, I-, I think North Carolina wins.
1: Yeah, they, I mean, the thing about those two is you look at it, you, and, and it's easy to just look at the running game. But like you said, it sets up the pass. And those two were, they, they were like fourth and fifth in terms of his leading receivers. They were both great at catching passes and making something yeah. happen. And they missed that a lot, too. But, oh, wow. We've talked so much about football already. <laughs> but, but again, like I'm still, it's just, it's been hard for me for a lot of reasons. And this does kind of, um, I guess this does kind of transition us into basketball, but I don't know if it's that there doesn't seem to be, you know, a really elite ACC team right now in basketball or the fact that college basketball has just been so disjointed with COVID. And I don't know what it is, but it's just been hard for me to get really into it so far this year like obviously I'm watching and I'm covering the teams I'm I'm my top 25 I'm I'm a voter in that too it's a mess every week it takes me like an hour every time (laughs) and it's like I just I don't I don't know what it is I think it's a combination maybe of all those things and just like it's hard I think for us to get a sense of who these teams are too because of how disjointed it is I don't know if you're kind of feeling the same way I mean obviously like I'm sure you're into it but you know what I mean
0: yes I I do and you know we've We've seen small sample sizes from a lot of teams. You look at a team like Duke, they've only played six games. They haven't looked great. Uh, so that, that may be a question mark. I think just in the triangle, North Carolina and Duke aren't very good. So that's part of it. That's got to be part of it for some people. But I will add this shameless plug. We do have two elite teams in ACC basketball. They're on the women's side. <laughs> oh, for sure. Louisville and NC State Triangle fans, your NC State women's team is so dang good. So keep oh, an yes. eye on them. I, I said this on ACC Network earlier in the week because I called their uh, Boston College game on Sunday. I have always been, at least the last couple of years, I have thought that Louisville was a step ahead of NC State. I think NC State is a legitimate Final Four contender. So, Ooh, and I-, I love this. Keep an eye. They brought in um, a transfer in Reina Perez, a, a graduate transfer point guard, who I think has added a lot of things for them. She speeds them up, she makes them go a little faster. Kanane is still one of the best players in the country. Two sophomores, Jada Boyd and Jakea Brown Turner, are stars. And Westmore is a, a great coach. So I, I think NC State has a chance. They got to stay healthy because they really only play six players, but I really like them. So, and maybe that's why, like, I've been able to get in on the women's side. Now, the women have had a lot of pauses. They've had a yeah. lot of programs on pause. But because I feel like the women have two legitimate Final Four contenders, maybe it's easier to get into it. Whereas on the men's side, you know, I'm not putting any of these teams in the Final Four. Now, I think, could one of them make a run? Sure. But it's a weird year on the men's side where the last bracketology I saw, I think they had nine men's teams in. But it's just not an elite team. Florida State hasn't looked great. They lost to central Florida, which was really puzzling. They lost to Clemson. Now they're on pause. (laughs) Yeah. So now they're on pause. So maybe that's the issue on the men's side is you just don't have that elite team, but I think you have a lot of very good teams so far.
1: Yeah. I, I think you're right. And you're, you're totally right about the women. I, I, I watched their game against um oh god I have this I don't know why it's complete South Carolina. I watched oh, yeah. that win. That was awesome. And now that uh, game, what, I,
0: I will say, if that was the only game you watched, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's it okay. But listen NC State has looked a lot better since then. It's weird to say they looked they've looked a lot better than when they beat South Carolina, but they didn't have Jada Boyd in that game. She had a meniscus issue. Um, but that game was just sloppy on on a couple levels. It was yes. very early. Both teams have looked better since. But that was still a huge win for NC State. Huge win.
1: Yeah. That it was when we love Westmore around here. It's it it's not I mean, I used to cover women's basketball because um I used to work, you know, I used to cover Carolina sports exclusively back in the day when I first got out of school. And I I have c I've certainly covered enough women's basketball that I know that like those games can happen where you oh, yeah. it just looks raggedy and it's right. early and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's I didn't yeah, and, and I've it's just hard around here because you've got all the football going on, you've got all the basketball. It's hard sometimes to have the bandwidth to like, yeah, you know, well, watch everything.
0: The problem with this year is NC State has the new Reynolds, you know, that place is just gorgeous. And so they, they usually have a great turnout and I think fans can get a little more into it when they can go to the game. And that's what's a bummer right now is NC State normally has a solid, you know, six, 7,000 people there. And they can't have that right now, so I think that's a bummer.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, no, it's interesting with the ACC. I just I and and I think it is. It's just hard, and even around here for the women's side, like you know, it's been UNC. It's has been exciting. They're clearly improving, Um, but then you know what happened with Duke, and I and I get it. I understand. You know, and it's it just sucks because everybody was excited about Carol Lawson coming in. She's just so magnetic of a personality and, and, and very likable person and, and really cool to have her here. And then they, they have to stop in her first season and it just, you know, it's just, it's a lot. Like you said, Duke's only played six games on the men's side. And it was funny. Coach K mentioned this too, the other day, I'm kind of, I've been on coach K's wavelength with this, not necessarily that they should like, I don't know. It just feels like it's so disjointed right now. It's just such a mess. And it just feels like the NCAA is just kind of like, Doop doo. We'll just keep on plugging on, and it's right. like you know, like okay, guys, I guess, and and that I've I, that's I think what Coach K was saying almost more than anything else was like, are we like, do we have a plan here? Do we know like how bad we're going to let this get? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. And, and he said the other day, it was funny. He mentioned that the net rankings came out and he literally laughed and he's like, I don't know how, but okay. (laughs) Like, and I get it. Like there are teams out there that have only played two games. I looked at Ken Palm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's, it's so disjointed. It's crazy. Like Wake Forest has played four. Oof. Total. They played two non-conference games because they had to shut down. And uh, they're 0-2 in in ACC play. They're super young. So I get it. I I understood when the Duke women shut down. I was surprised, to be honest, because I I haven't seen any really power five teams do that. But I get it. And I was was bummed because I wanted to see them play. I I think Kara Lawson's great for the sport, great for the league. They had some really nice, young, talented players. But yeah, and then on the Duke men's side, that Boston College game the other night, I thought they were going to lose it. I was so I was just shocked they found a way to win it. it. Wendell Moore showed up finally, so that was a good sign for them. But I, I think that is kind of the issue, is that your Blue Bloods haven't looked really good. I think Louisville is actually starting to look better. Yeah, watched a good bit of the Virginia Tech game. I was impressed with Louisville. And then I do think Clemson is is pretty good. And yes. I'm excited about this Clemson North Carolina game. Lauren, could we see the Tigers go back to back? That has to be a shocking thought for a lot of North Carolina fans.
1: I was going to say like on the list of things we've all seen in, in, just in general in the last like calendar year in it like not just in sports but overall like it would like be a drop in the bucket, I suppose, but like just chalk it up to yet another weird thing of this 2020-21 yeah. era that we're
0: living in. Where well, like- and I'm really glad for Coach Brownell that he did it last year because I could just see if they did it for the first time this year with no fans. Just imagine the <laughs> excuses we'd hear. And I would get it. You know, If you do it in the Dean Dome without any fans, it's like, well. but So I'm glad he did it last year because this year there might have been some sort of asterisk.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's going to be, I mean, I, I, you guys had me on to talk about it. I mean, I I've seen things defy logic before, but I, they're going to need a lot of things to change in a short amount of time. This North Carolina team, if they're going to beat a team like Clemson, who I'm looking at Ken Palm now. um, And I think I said, this is the best defense Carolina has seen. I was literally right because they're number one in Ken Palm's adjusted defi- uh, defensive efficiency, and Texas is third. So, I mean, you know, but that, that Texas game feels like so long ago for North Carolina.
0: Yes, it does. It feels like quite a long time ago for UNC. And when you look at what they've done lately, look, they've won two in a row in the ACC. Let's <laughs> give you credit for yeah. that Technically true (laughs) on the way, basically identical scores, 66, 65 over Notre Dame, 67, 65 over Miami. The Miami game was rough, but they also beat Kentucky, who's not very good, but you still beat Kentucky. And I think they're in a better position than if they had lost the Miami game. There's no doubt. But the lack of scoring, I think, has been a concern. The inability to shoot the basketball has been a concern for North Carolina. They're going to have to find a way to just manhandle Clemson, to be super physical with them, to use their size, to rebound, but also to score off those rebounds. Lauren, that's what's been so bad for me about UNC. Is they rebound the ball so well. But, for example, in the, North, in the uh, Georgia Tech game that they lost, they rebounded the ball. They had 37 boards. They only had seven second-chance points. How is that even possible? I <laughs> do not understand.
1: I, I, I watch – most of their games. And I can't really answer that question. I don't, <laughs> it's, 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 it's pretty bananas. It really is. I, 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 there's no, yeah. And then they just turn it over too much. I mean, that's just that they continue to do that. Um, and certainly a team like Clemson can take advantage of something like that. And, and I just, uh, it's baffling to be honest. I mean, I knew they would have problems because they don't have experienced Guards, especially at the point guard spot. I mean, that's. I, I'll be interested to see it. It's tough because Leaky has played so Leaky Black has played so well in the wing, but it'll be interesting to me. They've played him some at point guard, mm-hmm. some, and he can do that. I mean, he could. Roy Roy Williams has said like he can play one through four technically. I mean, he's six seven. I think um, he's got but some eyes. yeah. So like, but he. It'll be interesting to see if they slide him over there some if, if these freshman guards continue to struggle. But Roy knows, like, for them to have success, those guys have to figure it out. I mean, that's just what it is. Oh, he's 6'8, sorry.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that might be a good idea against Clemson because Clemson's guards are pretty small. When you look at uh, Nick Honor and Alamir Dawes, these guys do not have a lot of size. Clyde Trapp has some size, but he's not going to play point guard. So that might be an interesting way to do it. If, if you're North Carolina, just go all out on your size. Because Clemson is not a big team,
1: there. No, I see blocking. that. Yeah, yeah, they got they've got two guys over six eight that play. So
0: yeah, they they do not have the size that they've had in past years of like a Landry Noko or someone that can that can be a shot blocker. They play P.J. Hall. He's six nine. Uh, Amir Sims, of course, is six eight. Sometimes they'll play Amir at the five. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a very fun chess match between Roy Williams and Brad Brownell. But I do think if I'm Roy, I'm saying. I'm just going to go on all in with my size. That's my advantage. I've got all these massive players. Let's just try to out rebound. Let's be physical. Let's put a lot of pressure on their small guards and see what happens.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's just yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird year around here. Like you said, Deuce only played like six games. They've looked weird. Um, but you know what, NC State. When we're talking about good teams in the ACC. I, I think I'd put them on that list. I really do. And I feel, okay. I have to like, this is so random, but um, so my husband and I are downstairs watching the game and, and they're up like seven or something on Clemson in the second half. And I'm like, I, I, I turned to him. He's, you know, he went, to, we both went to Carolina's where mm-hmm. I met him and I, I turned to him and I'm like, sorry to tell you, bud, but I think state is like the real deal this year. Like <laughs> I really do. And he's like, all right. And he, he goes upstairs to go to bed. <laughs> That immediately Clemson starts their comeback. And I'm like, oh boy. And then, uh, and then, and then against No, Lauren. <laughs> and then against Duke, when Duke was playing the other night, Duke's down double digits to BC. And I tweet out, like, when's the last time State was the best team in the triangle?
0: And then Duke starts their comeback. So I didn't know I had this power, but apparently well, I do. I think State is the best team in the triangle. I they mean, are. State should have beaten Clemson. But Clemson did not play. They weren't the better team that night. They just found a way, which is very weird because that's not what Clemson normally does. I'm wondering if maybe the missed field goal curse is over, if it expired in 2020, now that we're into a new decade, perhaps. Good grief. I just
1: saw Clemson was three of nine from the foul line. Yeah, it was
0: rough. I, I don't know. The <laughs> NC State should have won that game. They didn't have Braxton Beverly. Devin Daniels had some weird turnovers at the end of the game that were just puzzling. Yeah, uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, yeah. The the beauty of what Clemson does is they're not, you know, they're not going to press you consistently. They're not in that Kevin Keats style, but they apply such good defensive pressure on your guards for forty minutes that they wear you down. And I think we saw that, especially with that because NC State didn't have Beverly. It it just wore them down. And then Nick Honor made some huge shots. Amir Sims finally got going. He was struggling. He was quiet. He can be passive sometimes, which I think is the biggest knock on him. But he got going in overtime, and Clemson was able to sneak out a win. It's a very weird thing to say Clemson kind of pulled a win out of nowhere because that's very rare. Normally, Clemson has to fight tooth and nail for every single win they get. But I do think NC State's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean their everybody on their team has just gotten better or stayed the same, which is exactly what you want to see. Um I, I I it's wonderful to watch Manny Bates turn into this offensive threat Ooh. and he's he's he was always swatting shots. That was always his game, but now he's become a better positional defender, which you also love to see. DJ Funderburk has gotten better. He's one of my favorites. I don't know why. I've just always liked DJ um he's a very like blunt person uh sometimes accidentally so which i've always liked as a reporter because you can get good quotes out of him mm-hmm. nothing it's not malicious it's just like he'll tell you he'll tell you the truth um and then be like "Ooh, maybe i shouldn't have said that but i it's charming um <laughs> i like that in a player uh but yeah i mean I, I i and obviously Devin daniels is who he is and and shaquille moore that dude is just that dude. You know, like he's been so clutch for them down the stretch as a freshman. Um, you know, they were all yeah. excited about different freshmen, but he has just been awesome. And 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 Kevin Keats has said he thinks that by the time he's done at state that he could be one of the best defenders in the league.
0: Yeah. I've been impressed with him. He has emerged and he stepped up without Beverly against Clemson. So that's been good. And then they haven't really had uh, continuity. They've had some injury issues. Like they didn't have Thunderberg against North Carolina and they still beat the Tar Heels. So they're still trying to get their entire squad together. That's been somewhat of an issue for them. But yeah, I think NC State's a tournament team for sure. I'm excited. They already beat UNC uh, in one of those matchups earlier in the year. We'll see if they can prove it on the court against UNC and Duke and overall prove they're the best team in the triangle. But as of right now, I think they are.
1: So there's like two teams that I kind of wanted to hit before we, I get you out of here, and I'm I'm looking more in general as opposed to matchups. Although Clemson, Carolina is certainly probably the most intriguing of the weekend, but um, there's there's a couple teams that I want to get into a little bit. Virginia Tech's one. Um, I don't I don't know how Mike Young is doing this. He's <laughs> like he's a magician. I don't get it. Like, do yeah. you think that this is sustainable for them?
0: Well. I, I do, somewhat. Now, can they continue to be the highest ranked or at least tied with Clemson as the highest ranked team in the ACC and the AP poll? Maybe not, but they have a lot of different weapons. Mike Young is a guy who, he comes from Wofford. He's used to working with less. Like, that's his thing. That's what yeah, he does. Especially without, without a lot of height, yeah. yeah that's what he does. And Kebe Aluma, this guy, he is really so good in a way because I called a Wofford game. It was random. I called a Wofford men's game a couple years ago with Fletcher McGee. It was actually the game he broke Steph Curry's SoCon 3s uh, record. And Kevin Aluma was on the floor, and he didn't really stand out to me. He, he didn't. And so I think that redshirt year up at Virginia Tech, he just must have put in work because this guy is, is incredibly impressive. Both him and Carly Jones. It's been interesting because these are both mid-major transfers who are each the best player on their ACC teams. And that is very rare that, that we see that. But they're shooting the ball really well from three, Virginia Tech is. I think that's a big part of what they do. Their guards remind me a good bit of Clemson's in that they're really good defenders. They're just tenacious. They're going to play super hard for 40 minutes. So can they sustain it as in can they win the ACC? I don't know about that. But I, I do think they're going to be a tough out in the tournament.
1: Okay. So, yeah, it's just, I feel like last year, maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought they hit a bit of a wall after a pretty good start. And I hope that that doesn't happen. Yeah, they did. I'm looking at it. Oh, boy. Yeah. They started 13 and four, 14 and five, and then finished 16 and 16. And that was year
0: one for Mike Young. I think what we saw for him in year one was there were some guys that weren't completely bought into his system and they transferred. Mm -hmm. We saw that. I think it was like Landers Nolly transferred. So, This year, he obviously has guys that want to be there. And I think you're seeing a difference for Virginia Tech.
1: And I don't know if, maybe I'm being too harsh here because the other team I wanted to get into a bit was Notre Dame. And they do play each other this weekend. So there's that. Um, Virginia Tech um, hosts Notre Dame. I am puzzled as to (laughs) why Notre Dame is three and six. They were 20 and 12 last year. They returned a lot. Um, They've got some guys putting up uh, pretty good numbers. Like Nate Lashevsky's has gotten a lot better. Yeah. Juwan Durham has not taken the leap. I thought he ha- ooh, he would though. Prentice Hub has been really struggling. I don't understand why they are this bad right now. I
0: think I think it's kind of twofold. I'll try to explain it. Uh, first of all, they played a ridiculous schedule to start the year, and Mike Bray even talked about that. When you're playing Michigan State and Ohio State, and and they beat Kentucky and Kentucky, I thought. You know, you thought they'd be better, but they played Purdue as well, so they had some some tough games. But they are undersized; they're getting out rebounded on the year, which is never a good sign. And then, for whatever reason, I, I don't know. I, I don't know much about Notre Dame's basketball recruiting apparatus, but they just don't have the guys that have been pros. You know, they don't have a Pat Connaughton, um, a, the, a Grant kid who's very good who can go get their own shot or even when you look back at at some of the guys they've they've had in recent years, I think that's the concern for Notre Dame. I think the overall talent level has decreased. And I don't know what or why. I, I couldn't really tell you why. I would have to know more about what's going on specifically at Notre Dame. But they just don't have the level of talent that we've seen them have in recent years. And I don't know how you remedy that, but I just don't know how good this team can be with their overall talent level.
1: Yeah, I just, it's, it, it, and the thing is, too, like, they've made their, their living on on shooting and, and having shooters, and Dane Goodwin has has lived up to that, but he's still only made 14 threes, Prentice Hub only shooting 31%, like, it's you can't yeah they and they only play a few guys they've always been like that um they I think they're still as good of, of a passers as as they usually have at Notre Dame but they just can't sh- they they don't have enough shooters if Nate Leshefsky
0: is your best three-point shooter and he is yeah he shooting fifty nine percent. that's ridiculous
1: yeah and he has their most made threes like that's a good thing for him as an individual player but it's probably not the best thing for them in general because they need their guards to be knocking those down as well and that's right. just not happening right um um yeah you're probably right I'm probably being a little harsh on them because of who they've played but I also have watched this North Carolina team all year so it's like
0: (laughs) well and Notre Dame you know this was a team that made an elite eight just what was that four years ago yes so you're not that far removed from almost making a trip to the final four yep yeah and uh, I
1: I do this I I am a Notre Dame stan as people who listen to this podcast know because (laughs) I love the way they play offense um and yeah, they just, they've never been a great defensive team. That's just not the way they play. Part of it is because of the depth thing and who they like to play and they don't play many guys and they want, they want, I think they want fresh legs. So they don't pressure you much. They don't force a lot to happen defensively. Yeah. Um, that's just who they've always been. They don't foul. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like you said, the rebounding is bad. And maybe some of that's because you has got Leszewski floating around, around the three-point line and yeah. he's seven feet tall. So, okay. that's a Good point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I, that's about it really i mean i can't I, it like i said it's just been hard for me it's hard for me to like get really really into it i think maybe in the next month or so i will um but like and then you have state carolina like two days before christmas when like that's usually the time of year people
0: play like you know yeah, some random bad weird. team the, the schedule has been weird there's no doubt about that i agree but
1: yeah, right now we're looking at Clemson, uh, the basketball school. Yeah, though, we'll ex-
0: see. Uh, we'll see if the heels can get a signature win this weekend.
1: Mm, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. Uh, all right, Kelly Gramlick, tell everybody where they can find you.
0: Yeah, uh, on Twitter at Kelly Gramlick. We've got the Gramlick and MacLean podcast. We've given out our football grades. Actually, the pod the pod that's out today, the grades for each team. So go see what grade your team got. We also had Amari Rogers on this week. And then if you're ever in the upstate of South Carolina, out of bounds, 12 to three on the roar. And then talking hoops on the ACC network. I've got the Boston college wake forest women's game this Sunday at four. All right.
1: Awesome. Um, everybody seek out Kelly because she's great. Um, and yeah, until next week.